We acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, the gathering grounds for many diverse First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples whose footsteps mark this land and whose presence continue to enrich our vibrant community. Hello and welcome back to Research Recasted, the knowledge mobilization podcast. I'm Brittany Eklund and I'm here with Dylan Cave. This summer, we're taking some time to catch up with last season's researchers. And today we're following up with episode 10 guest, Margot Jackson. We're going to talk about some new grant funding. Uh, and if you missed Margot's episode, we would recommend highly going back and giving it a listen before you dive into today. So before we get into the very riveting world of grants and grant writing and grant funding, how are things going since we last saw you? I think it was in December. It was that long ago? Yeah. Oh, okay. It felt like yesterday. Doesn't it, though? Uh, they've been fine. Semester's over. And I think the big thing was this the funding coming in so that we can actually proceed with looking at children's mental health research. So that was the big excitement. Um, getting some CIHR funding, which is one of the big federal grants, and away we go. Okay. Wow. So yeah. I guess let's dive further into that and like for a recap um this is for the project that was looking at wait times for children or youth mental health yes so uh there was a call out looking at in kind of in the context of COVID-19 but really there was an issue before COVID-19 it just made it a thousand times worse so yeah it's looking at the experiences of children youth and their families uh who are on wait list for mental health services in Alberta, primarily. So kids that get filtered in to mental health services come in from a centralized kind of pool. And from there, they get assessed and then they get triaged and moved on to another wait list. So the oh whole, my gosh. yeah, so it's it's a process. Absolutely. And, yeah. Um. So yeah, so you have now received the grant funding or you're applying for the grant? Funding? No, the money is in. Okay. McEwen is holding the money. They are, um, we were all quite excited because this is McEwen's first of this type of funding. Um, it's one of the tri-council funding, so that's good news. And moved ahead, I've hired a postdoctoral student who works in the methodology, which is narrative inquiry, which is looking at people's sort of experience and stories. And we've applied for ethics and we've gotten consent and operational agreement with Alberta Health Services. So right now we're in the midst of recruiting. We were uh, actually at some agencies within Alberta Health Services last week, uh, youth addictions and uh, the central pool, again, the regional mental health for children's intake, meeting with them and seeing who can we get that we can try to get uh, participants to be part of the study. Yeah. When you say that this is the first, of like, its of its kind, kind of at McEwen, what does that mean in terms of, like, the first what kind? Oh, sorry. So, um, you mentioned the Tri Council. Grant. Yeah. So there's Tri So Shirk Grants and CERT Grants and CIHR, which is Canadian Institutes of Health Research. And Grants that fall under CIHR grants, there's been nobody at McEwen so far that has applied and received those grants. So I was luckily, luckily enough to be that person that brought that to McEwen. And I think it sort of really paves the way for research at McEwen to realize this is an institution, um, despite being, you know, focused on undergraduate and not having those graduate resources, but focused on um, very community-based, 
uh, institution that is growing and is really putting a lot of effort and support into their researchers at this institution. So totally opens the door for future work with yeah. that granting yeah. party. Yeah, because it was a whole process to get that that going because McEwen holds the funds that come in. Right. Right. I don't I know my kids were quite excited. They're like, <laughs> Oh my God, do you get to and like, you buy a PlayStation with that? Yeah, I know. I'm like, no, it doesn't go into my bank account. You can't just so McEwen does and they get some funding to, to in order to do that. And it's a it's a very good uh it's a good experience for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what that's like. I all the grants that I've received, it's like, okay, got this great huge grant to do this awesome project. None of the money's going to me. I know. <laughs> you have to give it to all these other people, which is actually a really uh, a cool experience to, in itself. And I think that's part of it is to be able to hire and I mean, I have the postdoctoral student, but also is there going to be opportunity for some undergrad students to be able to take part in the research, maybe um, if not meeting, meeting with participants, but looking over like the data and the information, I think there's a lot of possibilities. It's kind of exciting. So exciting. Yeah. So where is your postdoctoral? <laughs> I know it sounds very fancy, doesn't <laughs> postdoctoral fellow? Postdoctoral fellow coming from the. So UA? her name is yeah. Her name is Ginny Menon, and she did her PhD in education actually, but because of the research methodology that she used, which is the narrative inquiry. That's how I connected with her, and she's just lovely. She's just amazing. So um, she's a teacher, actually, by trade. I guess is that not a trade? By profession, and then has gone back and done this extra work. So she's really good at relating to families, especially kids, too, that um, are going through different issues and asking them about their experiences. Okay. I yeah. mean, yeah, that education background would yeah. absolutely help with that. So, yeah. okay, the... The McEwen's got the the bank role. Uh, what is next? Like when are, how do you get started now? You've hired yeah. somebody. So we now are getting recruiting from the wait lists. So there are several wait lists that exist within Alberta Health Services for kids waiting for mental health. And what we've learned over the course, even just the past little while, if you want mental health services in Alberta, you phone in. So either the doctor or the parent or the teacher phones in. An admin staff takes your name, gets all your contact information. It should be five days that you should be contacted. Right now it's two months. Oh, like wow. to just even be contacted. To be, yes. So two months for the very first triage assessment over the phone. So now we've got kids coming in. It's instantly 60 days. You're waiting for that. Then you get the phone in assessment. And then from there, you are put on another wait list, depending on where you would be going to receive services. And that wait list exists for either probably from two months to two years. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy, um, given that a lot of mental health issues like need to be addressed sooner rather than later because I mean it doesn't things don't get better no things don't well <laughs> and that brings you to the point of these wait lists have existed for a long time waiting for kids to go anywhere from community supports to like the Royal Alec Hospital or the Glen Rose Hospital and what happens to the kids that have been on these wait lists for years and years and I mean the reality is of it they either get better which yeah I don't know. Um, but where do they do when they fall off the wait list? 
are they dying of suicide, which is possibly possibility? Um, are they timing out because they've turned 18? And then they're like, oh, you're on your own. Yeah. So, or, so what we're really trying to do with this research is find out, okay, other than these formal services where everybody is supposed to go to be t treated, um, is there something that exists within like ourselves or the families or the community that people have been doing? So rather, so while you're on wait list, what do you do? Do you just, you just sit there? Well, no, not with a kid who maybe won't go to school or is imploding or has anxiety or is self-harming or is so depressed they can't get out of bed. Um, so what are you doing as a family? And that's what I think would be pretty key to figure something out. Okay. You, I mean, you said that there's several wait lists yeah. in the province. How many, like, do you have access to how many kids are on these wait lists? Um, not exactly, but there's lots. So, like, I, I would you say like 10,000, 1,000? Um, and I don't have my okay. stats exactly here. <laughs> and I don't know any AHS. Are so there's wait list for community mental health. And that like, I, you know, what would be interesting and I'll follow up is to find out how many kids were referred in. And I know the last stats I saw were probably, oh my God, what year would it have been? Um, maybe 2018, 2019. And I think there were like 6,000 kids referred in. Wow. In, a, in the, that fiscal year. So the numbers are big. Well, and they've only been increasing because I think there's been kind of like a lot of coverage about how mental health in children is basically like mental health issues are skyrocketing yeah. and whether that's because of the pandemic or I'd assume it's at least a little related, but it's kind of, you know, the new epidemic of like child mental health. Yeah. And I think what happened was when schools closed and all of the supports, I, th I think we, you know, it was, it was difficult on parents if they had to take time off work or their kids are at home, but we think of, you know, that's a privileged kind of group. Yeah. 100%. Um, the most, the realistic is parents who were working two jobs who can't monitor their kids at home and, or do the schoolwork or this kids were getting meals at school or their supports were at school. Um, their maybe counselor or a mentor or or, some, or a coach, things like that were at school. And all of that was just ripped away. So any families that maybe were even like newcomer families. So this research, we'd like to try and get a broad scope if possible of kids um, ranging, you know, looking at different genders, um, different um, race would be a thing, LGBTQ. We would like to try and get Sort of, but you know that's always a challenge. But we're well, trying. yeah, and especially with like newcomers, because a lot of people might not have access or understand where to call to get that referral. Yep. So, are there any plans? I mean, you did mention like community supports. Are there any places that you plan to go to kind of help create the diversity in the group? I, what we're doing is working with Alberta Health Services because they're the ones that are the gatekeepers for kids coming into the to that program, and of course. There are other community-based agencies that do work with specifically newcomers. We're looking at formalized mental health services and resources offered that are free, offered by Alberta Health Services. So, because um, most people don't also have the funds to, I was just uh, working with a psychologist and their rate was is two twenty-five an hour. Yeah. yeah. But we have the best healthcare system in the world. We do. And <laughs> psychiatrists are free, but psychologists aren't free. 
And like a psychiatrist is only free if you can get a referral. But if you are like on that wait list, yeah, the (laughs) wait list for oh, and I they're going to hate me. Well, the wait list for one of the big child psychiatry places is three years right now. Like three years. How do you do that if you have? Well, and kids change so fast. Yeah, and then you forget about the families that are sitting there the whole time with their kid, thinking, "Holy crap, what am I supposed to do?" now mm-hmm. so i mean it should be i'm i think we are probably going to hear some difficult stories from from families and from the youth and kids so we're looking at kids age 12 to 17 not not the little guys just yet uh but it should be some interesting stories i'm assuming are there plans for the little guys not just yet um and we we thought about it i mean of course kids do get referred in from basically I used to work on a team where we worked with kids from zero to five, like a preschool. Um, that's a lot of family work. Right now we chose to focus on a group that could interact with us a little bit, but um, yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, if you have the potential to expand this research, once you've kind of worked on this project, I yeah. think it would be really interesting, especially with, you know, part of that piece when we're talking about increased like prevalence of mental health issues in children is that kids are being diagnosed younger and younger and younger. Yeah, they absolutely are. Yeah. And maybe that's because we know more about things like I know ADHD is popping off right now. It's a lot of like I know two people personally who have now been diagnosed in their mid thirties. That's interesting. And that's another research topic that I would love to on a personal note, look at particularly women in ADHD and that kind of misdiagnosis. And I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Absolutely, because it's the symptoms are so much different and like people being diagnosed with like autism and ADHD later in life and being like, oh, I have been diagnosed through my life with bipolar, depression, anxiety, all of these things that are symptoms um, of an untreated and unrecognized condition. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, had a friend publicly post on their Facebook being like, okay, I went in for my diagnosis. I was looking to get an ADHD diagnosis. I came out with a PTSD diagnosis and, uh, didn't realize that I even had, was dealing with PTSD from past relationships, Mm -hmm. from anything. And then they got a double diagnosis of that in ADHD. Yeah. And I mean, it's so... (sighs) The diagnostic piece, it's because it's so complicated. It's not like you can go in and it's like, oh, do an x-ray or do a blood test. Yeah, and exactly. poof, you got what you're, what's going on, right? It's all of feelings. It's yeah. all about... And it's who's doing the assessment, right? And, and their so biases. Then their biases and the labeling. I mean, there's a whole piece of it. So I think what we really need to do and what the research that this is and that I like to focus on is really people's experiences in their lives because no matter what you say, okay, you're stamped with this or you have this, you're still having to navigate through life somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The PTSDs, I actually know something that somebody that went through a similar thing where they talked about instead it was more of a PTSD, the trauma aspect intermixed with. But, yeah. Yeah, but it is really hard. Like, even then, again, this person has probably... You can't just go to your doctor and say, I think I have a mental health thing. Can I please get a referral? Like maybe you can, but again, you're going to be on a list. And if you go to a private person, like I think I was looking at, yeah, getting like an assessment for ADHD. because I was like, "Uh oh, this resonates a lot. (laughs) Um, And they were like, "Okay, it takes about 10 hours. Um, 
and our rate is $200 an hour. And I was like, okay, I have $12 in my bank account, so... <laughs> pass can you just can you just tell me right now if you think i might have <laughs> yeah, it exactly. like, like i can do a screening tool based yeah. on this email well, and there's <laughs> the one there's not very many adult people that do it and i know the one because i phoned the office to try and get somebody on the wait list dr poitras it was they're like that your your person would be 182nd i think it was on the wait list and i just started laughing because well, yeah what do you do what do you do you and, wait. And, uh, you know, by saying all this stuff, anybody that's out there listening, I don't want to discourage anybody from from not no. going and doing these things because these things are really important. Um, it's just, you know, we're talking about the difficulties that, that the system has right now and that things that we're trying to do or the things that, you know, Margot here is trying to do to make this so this isn't the issue, that people aren't holding back on doing these things because of these wait times. No. And but, to stand up for yourself. And yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. And that's what I've always told as my kids go. It's if you don't advocate for yourself and have a voice for yourself, then nobody's going to do it for you. So you do have to. There just needs to be a way to, to learn how to, to get around. And why are there so many issues? And I think it, it stems from a lot of things. From It stems from staffing issues too. I mean, staff are that work in mental health or human beings and they also go through issues. So. We, we talked about that on another podcast, more relating to student versus um, professor relationships and how, you know, student health is also uh, can be difficult on uh, professor health. Yeah. You know, you know, a professor isn't a psychologist to, to deal with certain things, but it weighs on them for sure yeah. because they do deal with a lot of students who are struggling and, and they have to, also carry that burden and be it was in the nursing program too and it was talking about like mental health pressures of nursing students and like how professors are expected to cope with sometimes people coming to you with like alarming you know confessions and what do you do other than refer them away because you're also a human being as a professor and that's tough so I mean mental health in itself is like a thing that over the last 20 years, in my experience, it's like we didn't talk about it 10 years ago. And now we're looking and seeing like, oh, my gosh, everybody is kind of messed up. Um, and, and it's because of how our society is structured, obviously. But it's still not to the point where a lot of people view mental health as health. No. And I think that's part of it. It, it People look at it. It's like mental illness. It's like, no, it's not mental illness. It's the same as physical health. It's, mm-hmm. We got to take care of that aspect too. And you think, is there any other type of health, physical health ailment that a child would be going through? And and maybe there is where the wait list time to actually get that really looked at is, you know, four months to two yeah. years. I mean, maybe like dentistry, I guess. Yeah, That's yeah, another yeah. piece of health. I call it like teeth or rich people bones that only I I lost a just like a couple weeks ago I lost a a chip off of my back molar and it's like tough luck I didn't I I didn't even humor the idea of going in yeah I'm just like I guess I don't have that now so you have coverage as a student yeah but you want to know what our coverage is for a student like a hundred bucks off yeah, like I went in to get my teeth cleaned because you get a free teeth cleaning when you have the student benefits. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I'm, you know, this is controversial <laughs> for anybody that on the higher ups in the in the insurance policy stuff here. But I so, yep, yeah, they got me in, got my teeth cleaned. 
And as they, you know, finish half of my mouth, they're like, okay, do you want us to continue? And I was like, yeah, I'd like my teeth cleaned. They're like, oh, well, your coverage only covers half. So half what, your mouth? Yeah, they would only do my top. They, they only... do it in like 15 minute increments. They pay for 15 minute slots. And if you, if it takes longer than that. It's going to cost me $120 to do the bottom part of my mouth. So you're like, what did you do? What did you do? I I was like, I'm not paying that. Like it said, my insurance says a free teeth cleaning. Like it, that's like straight up what it says. And then they're like, oh, but only up to $60. Oh my God. That's yeah. horrible. But I, you know, they have flex plans. So maybe I didn't have the full dental plan. But then like, you have to focus only on dental. And like, what if you need a prescription for something like an antidepressant birth control, then that flex plan only covers your dental. It doesn't cover you, then prescription. So and you're then you, like and you birth can't control, just flip flop it either. Birth control, teeth cleaning. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'm like, did not understand McEwen's policy well. So that's maybe I didn't get the most. I haven't out utilized of, any of my benefits yeah. except that one teeth cleaning. Well, do you have a health spending account with that? Can you use the... No, probably not. Not as a student. Oh, yeah. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> I am so sorry. I think the U of A don't has... Don't be sorry I think the U of A, though, system. the U of A does have a clinic. Though. They have a dental clinic. They do have a dental clinic. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So if you were... I mean, you would be there longer, but it's for the students that are doing the whatever yeah. program kind of thing. Well, I, you know, I, I will, I will say yeah. that I did have a very pleasant experience at our McEwen health clinic right across the street. Yeah. Um, I had a problem with like a blockage in my ear and they flushed my ears out right away and they were really concerned and they seemed really helpful. And it not was, just one ear. It was, it was my right ear. Oh no, I meant because half your mouth, <laughs> Never mind. Half my, yeah, they <laughs> yeah. come. Well, it was all free. It, that that's that great, would be free. That's yeah. Alberta yeah. health service. It's a different, yeah, that's a different thing. So, Anyways. Yeah, yeah. As much as we love learning about all Dylan's body parts <laughs> that are getting cleaned and if flushed. You, if you listen to every episode, you will learn a new part about Dylan every single time. It's, it's true. It's true. It's like um, an onion. The podcast is an onion of like layers of Dylan. What? I, I stink? No, no, no. It's just the layers. You know. Smell like an onion? You got Trek. some, you got some Trek. stuff going stuff <laughs> some going on. Ogres so, are like onions. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> Funding is in. You've hired... You're collaborating with AHS. Yeah. You're underway. Um, I'd be really interested to, you know, see where this goes. I just want to clear one thing up. Yeah. And initially, I thought that this research was about looking at the wait times. So we're not looking at from that would be more of the standpoint of Alberta Health Services. What do they want to do to change their wait times? Yeah. We're looking at it from the perspective of the human beings who are on these wait lists. What are you doing while you're there? It's like, okay, you're on a wait list. Well, that's yeah. what, that, great. <laughs> okay. So now, so now what? So what are people doing to cope with all the, I won't try and swear, with all the stuff that's going on in their lives while there's crisis happening in their world? So okay. that's, that's what we're looking okay. at. And in, in the hope... That identifying certain things that perhaps can mitigate those wait lists, right? Or improve the people's lives so they don't have to enter into maybe formalized services. Maybe there's something new that we don't know about that people are doing. Okay. So this is research yes. in trying to inform policy at this point. Uh, well, I think we would and some services like later on or really honing in on different what exists out there. 
I think it goes back to community-based supports probably and family and community as a support in of itself, but we'll see. I don't know. What's the timeline? Um, how- two years. We have okay. the funding for two years. So two we are getting our button gear. That's why we've been starting the recruiting. So that'll go over the summer, meeting with participants into the fall. And I'd go, the time goes by so quick when you're working on projects like this. You know, you take it, you, you realize you have all this other stuff that also needs to happen during the time that you're working on all these projects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we'll start looking through everything, writing it up, and I'll get back to you with the results. And yeah, I'm like... A year and a half. And there let, might be a, a couple of new hosts. You never know what's going to oh, happen yeah, now. That's but true. yeah. Uh, I think that's the really interesting thing about a lot of the research we've talked about. It does. It takes years. I mean, some researchers are doing 10-year oh, kind yeah. of agendas, and I'm like, oh, they're content for days. Like, even <laughs> if all of them quit, except for the 18 we've talked to, we've got a show. That's that's good. Yeah. No, it's really great. Uh, Before we let you go, anything else you'd like to update us on? Anything at all? No, I think Dylan's point is a good point, though, about don't not seek help if you need supports and help, because there is out there. You just don't be afraid to speak up and really um, use your voice. Advocate. Yeah, advocate, because you really, really have to in this day and age. And I've turned into being that where I've been, where at one point I probably working on the other one would have been that, you know, that mom is quite intrusive. And I'm like, and I've turned into that person, (laughs) you know, where I'm like, okay, I know what you're thinking, but you know what? I'm going to speak up for myself and for my kids because that's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And who cares? So I, mean, I think that is an important piece because I you don't want it to come over as this whole huge negative thing. I think we, in and of ourselves as people, may have some of those tools. We just need a little bit of help to get there. A hundred percent. I mean, that's we're trying to live in a society here yeah. and everyone needs to maybe advocate for themselves and for those they can advocate for. Yeah. All great. right. Well, thank you so much, Margot. This has been really great catching up with you, and I can't wait to hear what comes of this. Yeah, this is going to be a really posted. great. This has been a research recasted reunion. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned for more follow ups with our researchers. Please visit us on Instagram at research recasted to give us a like and a follow, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you like to listen. This has been Research Recasted, a knowledge mobilization podcast brought to you by the Office of Research Services and the Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications at McEwen University. Research Recasted is hosted and produced by Dylan Cave and Brittany Eklund. Music, sound design, and editing are by Dylan Cave with research, copy editing, and scripting by Brittany Eklund. Executive producers are Ray Barree.